everyday mysticism. My life's work as a theologian and historian has been dedicated to recapture the riches of the tradition for the contemporary world. G.K. Chesterton once called tradition the democracy of the dead. They get a vote as much as we get a vote, and we can learn from them. They're not past and gone. They are still alive. They're still having that effect on contemporary society in terms of spirituality, mysticism, and of meditation, which is central to both of those. I've been reading John Maine for many, many years, actually, always with great appreciation. When you read John Maine, it often seems like it's fairly simple and straightforward, but I've discovered that there are unusual depths to John Maine's thought and to his teaching. And so I'm happy to repay back to a group like this something of the things that I've learned from reading John Maine over the course of these years. I often get asked, tell us what mysticism is. And why is mysticism important? And indeed, why is mysticism necessary? Henri Bremond, great scholar of French mysticism in the early part of the 20th century, says, it is not possible to ignore the mystics without disowning the self. There's something crucial to the message of the great mystics about what it means to be human, what it means to be a human person. Second quotation, Karl Rahner, one of the great theologians of the 20th century. Rahner once said, the Christian of the future will either be a mystic, that is, will have experienced something, or will not be a Christian at all. The Christian of the future will either be a mystic or will not be a Christian at all. That quotation from Rahner may give us a little wider picture of what a mystic is. Now, mysticism is a word that's very easily misunderstood. For some people, it means something bizarre, something uncanny, weird, magical, strange. For others, mysticism is the realm of paranormal religious experiences, strange things, visions, stigmata, levitations, in adia, or going without food for you know, years and years, severe asceticism, things that we don't have in our own lives, or very few of us could have, and even things that we don't see around us very, very much. There are even people within the Christian communities who recognize, of course, that great saints can be described as mystics or contemplatives, but that mysticism is an elite phenomenon. It's something that's meant only for the privileged few. It's not something that has anything to do with normal, everyday Christian life. But what I'm going to try to do is to emphasize that the mystical element in religion is integral and necessary to all Christian life. Indeed, I think it's part of the vocation that Christians are called to from their baptism on. Mysticism is recognition of God's transforming presence in our lives and an attempt to find a deepening of that sense within our lives. I think all Christians are mystics and are called to mysticism and called to a deeper consciousness of that mystical element. And that mystical element, I would emphasize, is interactive with the other aspects of our religious faith. The great English scholar Baron Friedrich von Hügel wrote a very important book the mystical element of religion, von Hügel identified three elements to what he called healthy religion. 
the institutional, the intellectual, and the mystical. Typified through the three apostles, Peter representing the institutional, Paul representing the intellectual, and the Apostle John representing the mystical, the spiritual element, if you will. Von Hegel insisted that it was only the healthy interaction of all of those aspects of religion, institutional, intellectual, and mystical, that produced the sane, normal, well-balanced religious personality and even the well-balanced religious group, or if we will, denomination. If one or the other of these elements sought to suppress the others or forget about the others or disregard the others, that was where danger started. I think von Hugo had a very deep insight there that the mystical element is not religion in itself, but it's an element in religion. It's an aspect in religion that integrates with the institutional, that integrates with the intellectual, but that brings something to the whole, the integrated whole, that neither the institutional nor the intellectual side of religion can do, important though they may be. Mysticism is not just a matter of performing certain acts, doing certain kinds of things. It's a whole way of life. It's a change of mentality. Certainly that mystical element consists of prayer, it consists of certain forms of asceticism, it consists of meditation, it consists of contemplation, etc. But it's the attitude from which those are performed that is the most important thing. The mystical or contemplative dimension changes the way that we do all of our religious acts and our outlook on the world. Many of you are familiar, of course, with Thomas Merton. If you read Thomas Merton's New Seeds of Contemplation, Merton is very good on that, on what he called usually the contemplative is an integrative change of attitude rather than the performance of particular activities. Meister Eckhart says in one of his sermons, if you think you're finding more of God in church than you are in the stable or out in the workplace, you are buffling up God's head in a blanket and stuffing him under a bench. <laughs> you find God everywhere. It's not that you disregard the church and the prayer that you're supposed to be involved in the church, but your attitude should be, I can find God in the stable and I can find God in my workplace as well. Another misunderstanding. Mysticism is not individualistic, it's personal, but it's personal within the community and the community of the church. And indeed, the mystical gifts that are given even to the greatest figures in the history of mysticism, think of a Teresa of Avila, for example, are not for her alone, they're for the community, her religious community of reformed Carmelite nuns and for the church as a whole. And the only test for who may or may not be a true mystic is the gospel test. By their fruits you will know them. Anybody can claim a vision. Anyone can claim some kind of special experience. But in the history of the church, the only people who can be known as part of this tradition are the people whose fruits are known, both in their own lives and also in the effect that they've had on others. But the great traditions, not only the Christian tradition, the Jewish tradition, the Islamic tradition, etc., the mystics are integral parts of those traditions. So we can, I think, speak about the term everyday mysticism. Everyday mysticism. This is not an elite phenomenon. 
It's not a phenomenon only for the very, very few. It's a, not a phenomenon which is characterized primarily by some kinds of special, miraculous, paranormal experiences. These happen, but they're never the core. The mysticism is an everyday consciousness of God's deepening presence in our lives and the transformation that that's meant to affect in us. Thank you.